This is the Stay Healthy Experience hosted by Robert Ferguson, which is myself, mm-hmm. Barbara Chris, a.k.a. BK. That's right. Fat loss. That's right. And uh, Mr. <laughs> Daniel Baldwin, who is missing in action. And he misses another good uh, interview. Actually, I'm going to, like, you're my friend, Alicia. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I can see you, my friend. And I was sharing with Barbara mm-hmm. that Alicia, who's coming in here, years ago wrote this amazing article and put me on the cover of the VC Star, Venture mm-hmm. County Star. Mm-hmm. And uh, years go by, and then occasionally I get a call or an email and, where she'll interview me or, like, feature me as, you know, one of the resources for mm-hmm. articles that she writes about. Mm-hmm. And then finally, a few years ago, I got to meet you for the first time in person. And again, you were helping us out because we were getting into the the cannabis space Mm -hmm. and Uh doing a show talking about the the medicinal benefits of cannabis. Right. And she came and next thing you know, we got the cover of a magazine. (laughs) That's awesome. So whatever you touched turns to go. Yay. Oh, that's awfully nice. Well, you're a fantastic subject, so certainly it was the subject matter that turned to gold. See yeah. that, Barbara? So you what? can never say negative about me, ever. <laughs> I can't hate, huh? I can't hate. No more hating. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it's intriguing, okay, because if you look at my background mm-hmm. and a lot of the work that I've done, like the second part of Fernando Vargas' mm-hmm. career, uh, I was largely responsible for that mm-hmm. because he had a challenge with his weight. And he had hurt his back, didn't fight for years. Mm-hmm. And then the VC reporter did an article on me. Mm-hmm. Fernando Vargas saw it in his management. And they're like, call that guy. <laughs> so they call me because of the VC reporter. I go over and meet him and they say, well, if you're as good as you say you are when it comes to helping people lose weight and mm-hmm. all that stuff, why are you in Ventura? And I go, really? oh, yeah, people. I mean, think about it. Yeah, I mean, OK. If, if, if you're all mean? that. Well, yeah. He kept saying, you should be in Hollywood. Okay. If you got all this going on. I'm like, yeah, I drive there a lot and come back. I like to be in in Ventucky. So long story (laughs) short, because of the VC reporter, I meet Fernando Vargas. Uh I help him lose weight. He gets the second part of his career and he goes on to make another $16 million. Nice. And all of that ties in again. It's whatever you're touching, Alicia. Yeah. You're making positive things happen. And then fast forward. You, the writer, doing all the things that you're doing, you have this book that touches on another part of your past. Mm -hmm. So that's enough of me rambling because you have this book called Fighters, uh, sorry, Fighting Chance, Chance. and it's a memoir about your journey. Yes. Tell us about it. It's a nonfiction novel. Fighting Chance is about my boxing career back in the late 1990s, and the significance of this was when I was competing, I was one of about... 400 women in America doing at the time. Wow. In amateurs and pros. And my competitors were amazing. I've had uh, 10 amateur fights, five wins, five losses, three wins by knockout, and I won two Golden Gloves championship titles. And my pro debut at age 30 was named the California Female Fight of the Year. You would, awesome. never, you would see if some guy grabbed your bag, he would see you walking out <laughs> and he would say, oh, that's an easy victim. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> like one, two, three. <laughs> all right. So how do you, but how do you go from writer or journalist yeah. to, to boxing? Like, how did that all happen? I love that question. Mm-hmm. I was on assignment. I went on assignment. And, and the way that happened, I believe, was serendipitous because I was alone in the newsroom one night. The phone mm-hmm. rings. Nobody's there to answer it. So I answer it. And it's a community activist in town telling me about a boxing gym for at-risk youth called Kid Gloves. And this was in uh-huh. Simi Valley, California. So El Nino Reigns destroyed this gym, again, back in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And when she first 
pitched the story as soon as she said boxing I immediately turned off because back then I thought boxing was the dark side I had no respect for it as a sport I didn't understand it Mm -hmm. and she kept pushing she said this is not the kind of gym for for you know most kids these kids are troubled a lot of them come from broken homes some of them dealt with abuse Mm -hmm. Um, you know one or two were under house arrest they they dealt with some some challenges but there was something about boxing that built their self-esteem it gave them a safe space to air their rage and insecurities Mm -hmm. and it just made them better people so as soon as she said at-risk youth that's when i thought okay maybe i should delve into the story a little bit deeper but still i was jaded until i met the owner robert ortiz and nice guy i know Robert. yes he's Mm -hmm. a great guy he's a great guy and he was he's such a nice kind-hearted man Mm -hmm. you know my my heart started to soften a bit and after meeting him, I delved in deeper. The gym ended up reopening in another side of town, and that's when I went in and interviewed the coaches and the children and the families and got firsthand testimonials from these kids and mm-hmm. their parents, you know, how boxing changed their lives for the better. So from that point, I was interested, but I had not yet delved into fighting. Um, Robert Ortiz had always encouraged me to take an aerobic boxing class, mm-hmm. and for a long time I said no mm-hmm. because I just – I thought it was kind of silly at first. It didn't Mm -hmm. make any sense to me. Then I went through a pretty bad breakup where uh, the boy I was with hit me more than once in the face. So Mm. naturally, I was pretty angry about that. And all I wanted to do was hit something really hard over and over again. I was just Mm. so angry that it happened, angry that that I allowed it to happen. Part of me felt like it was my fault. The normal things that women suffering from that go through. And after I took his class, I felt better. So I thought, hmm, maybe there is something to this. Mm-hmm. And then, meanwhile, I'm taking. So these was classes. was the first step more for fitness? Yeah, just stress relief. Yeah, yeah. The first step was I was bloody mad, mm-hmm. and I really needed to get that out of me. And I thought maybe I could just hit something really. Yeah, hard. it was like a release for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he put those gloves on me, and I hit that bag for an hour, mm-hmm. and I did feel better. Partially because it's so exhausting <laughs> and so physically draining. There's no room for anything else. Right. Um, but it was a tremendous relief. So next thing I know, I'm taking two, three classes, sometimes mm-hmm. a day. And wow. It, wow. Yeah, I, that's how upset I was. Oh, no, I get <laughs> yeah. it. And well, you know, Ma- uh, Maureen Shea shares that, that same story. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, uh, her big challenge uh, and what got her into boxing was mm-hmm. uh, being in an abusive relationship. And then from that, she was released some stress. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you want to compete. What do you think about trying out? You know, mm, you think I could do it? And then, you know, mm-hmm. there's this confidence, right? Right. That came about. They kind of gave her an additional platform oh, I... to excel from the inside out. Yeah, I can totally relate oh to goodness. that. So, so you two need to reconnect again. That's yeah. wonderful. I didn't know that about her. Yeah. And it's interesting how many women share that story. Oh, um, I can totally relate to and that. And it comes out I mean, later. Yeah, I'm not a boxer, but I get it. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And... Yeah, it, my story is similar to Maureen's uh, because mm-hmm. after the boxing aerobics class became like I wanted more, I wanted more. So mm-hmm. there's trainer, there's boxers and coaches in that gym. So I'd watch the boxers and th- these are professionals and amateur, right. the real deal. And I wanted more, so I just started watching them train and started doing what they were doing to train. I mm-hmm. would you know skip rope, shadow box, hit the speed <laughs> bag, the double end bag, yeah. just kind of did that on my own on the sidelines not thinking much of it, but other coaches started to notice. And then I'm approached one day by a guy named Stan Ward. He's known as coach in the boxing world. Mm -hmm. And he approached me and asked if I would be ever interested in competing. 
And yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. What, what was that response yeah, like? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, well, I should proceed that by saying that Robert, Robert Ortiz and I had discussed it and I had brought it up to him at one point. And, and I do remember this. And, and I know he, his heart was in the right place when he said this. <laughs> but when I asked him about it, he told me I was too pretty to box. And... I remember thinking, what does my reflection in the mirror have to do with me wanting to compete in this mm-hmm. amazing sport and to be one of few women, a hundred women doing it? Mm-hmm. So when Coach approached me, I told him I was interested, but that nobody would take me seriously because I was a girl. Mm-hmm. And he said that he would love to take me on, that uh, women's boxing, that's when I found out women's, how big women's mm-hmm. boxing was back then because there weren't that many women doing it. So soon enough, I was partnering with him. And <clears throat> left Kid Gloves for a little while to train at Jet's Gym, owned by Benny the Jet oh, yeah. and Van Ice. And so you've heard us talk about that gym. I, yeah, I have. Uh, we had a guest on recently from Australia, uh-huh. and they were going to work with Blinky Rodriguez. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I go back to 19, I met those guys in, like I think, 87, 88. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The Jet, Blinky. Yeah. It's way crazy. back there when John claude wasn't popular yet. Uh, uh-huh. He used to work out there. Bill Superfoot Wallace was one of my mentors back uh-huh. then. Yeah, so wow. I know exactly where you went and got the gloves dirty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and how, I, well, how long, how much time passed between when you went there, literally just taking a few classes? Well, you went there, you did an interview, mm-hmm. but then you started taking classes. Well, mm-hmm. how much time passed between taking the classes and then actually seriously saying, okay, I'm going to actually train? As like as a sport, mm-hmm. yeah. That took a few months, I'd say. What? I know. Well, I was thinking years or something. Yeah. You just we were like all in. Well, I want to say about a year prior to me um, st- stepping. Yeah, I want. There was about there was a lag of time because I interviewed Robert at his at risk, uh, the gym for at risk youth first, mm-hmm. and then covered the grand opening of the new location, and then and it just kind of evolved from there wow. and fell into place and. As you know, you've been to Jenny the Benny the Jets. Mm-hmm. It's the real deal. Oh, it doesn't get any more real. Than yeah, that. what yeah. is it? Trial by fire is what they call it. Yeah. So, what that, do you mean by that? Like, you well, know? it's just that you have anytime you like. You know how you hear people say, "If you want to be great, hang with people of greatness." Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to, you know, exceed with your finances, maybe mm-hmm. hang out with people who that's they've done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you walked into the Jet Center, at uh-huh. one point it was like the mecca of where some of the best boxers, kickboxers, martial artists around the world, like did everything they could to go to. Okay, got it. So when you're in a room and everyone's really good, you can only become great. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. (laughs) There's definitely a different energy in there. And and so I Mm -hmm. became known as uh, Coach's Girl. You were Coach's Girl? Because I was the only girl. Sweet. And all these boys and... I do remember it being scary because prior to that, you know, and I love Robert, and I love Kid Gloves, and I did end up going back and training with Robert Ortiz as well. But when I first went to Jets, I was the only girl with mm-hmm. all these boy fighters, and sparring over there with these boys was much different at Kid Gloves because at Kid Gloves, those they would take it easy on me naturally. They didn't want to hurt me, and I re- so I really had no understanding of just how dangerous this sport was uh-huh. until I went to Jets. And coach had me do something called a round robin where, so I'm sparring with, he had three or four boys lined up on their, in their corner and I would do a round with them one after after the other to understand their different styles. But those, those boys did not take it easy on me at all. Wow. Man. So So all of this, now all of this is tied into (laughs) your book. It is, it is. And, And it's all outlined in the book, the journey. I remember every fight like it was yesterday. So there's a blow by blow of every fight, but it's also... 
largely an emotional journey because Mm -hmm. before I got into boxing, I did not understand how it, um, it raises up all your insecurities. And I remember coach telling me this, he said, he said, this is going to bring up everything even from the time when you were a little girl. And I I didn't Mm -hmm. understand what that meant or how, or that transcendence occurred, but there's, there was something about it for me through the training, through surviving those battles and coming through on the other side, it did make me deep, deep, deep and look into what was really going on with me inside of me and the insecurities that I had kept hidden from a lot of people for most of my life. It brought it all up to the surface. I bet. And you kept, but you kept a lot of this, like, I mean, why am I just now learning recently (laughs) that you, you know what I mean? That you box and that Uh you had this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that you have a book and you're making it available to the people. So Let's let's start with the title. Why did you title the book the title that you've given it? I love that question. It has two meanings. So fighting chance, um, you know, the chance, the possibility of, mm-hmm. of doing something remarkable, mm-hmm. you know, a fighting chance. Just this battle, I believe, that occurs in everyday life. For me, boxing in the ring was a metaphor for life because life can be a battle sometimes. And to translate the two, the survivorship that I, I had in the ring helped me survive it in everyday life. It, it actually made everyday life seem a bit easier. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I totally get it. Obviously, we share that. Yeah. That combative side there, Barbara. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when I was getting ready to do some work with, um, I think it was Anthem mm-hmm. and David Murdoch, uh-huh. when they first opened up Four Seasons, when it was called the California Wellbeing Institute. I was one of the first people they hired and they asked me to mm-hmm. create a um, a program that people could go through that was all based on the metaphor and the, the lessons learned from being a boxer. I love that. And oh. this was going to be j- just for executives. Wow. Because when you look at it, as mm-hmm. you're stating, mm-hmm. you have the fighter who mm-hmm. most people look at. That's the person out in the front. Mm-hmm. But behind the fighter, there's a coach. Mm-hmm. So now you start to look at the support structure mm-hmm. right. that is not just about the person walking out there mm-hmm. and getting in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's about the family. Yes. What is life like when you're at home? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if any of that starts to break down, then you don't have that, the strength that you would have and you're really not your best. So if, you oh, have, sure. if you're in a position with a game, but yet you got an argument with your spouse or your lover. Right. I mean. That could just mess it up messes everything. everything up. Right. It breaks can't. up what the coaches, you know, it breaks up the communication between you and the coach and you and your other trainers. And right. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, and then, <laughs> I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to read your book. Well, yeah. I, I love that you mentioned the support system because I would never have made it as far as I did if it, if it were not for my coaches and trainers who always wanted the best for me, were always looking out for my safety. They gave me the best training, the best skills. Coach Stan Ward was like a father to me. You become very close to your coaches. You spend a lot of time with them. For sure. And and Robert and, and I also became close in that he worked my corner in several fights. Uh, once he saw me excelling, he was he was all in and helping me train. And his son, um, Scrappy Ortiz, mm-hmm. Robert Scrappy Ortiz, uh, would work with me as well. And so did Robert's brother, Danny Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And there were other men involved, but they were like father figures or big brothers to me. And, and what <clears throat> I loved about that 
re- my relationship with them is none of these men objectified me. Right. And I, I think that's important. Yeah. Huge. Um, as a female, I wanted to be viewed as an athlete, not as a female. And because there's a difference, I did not want to be objectified. And these, these gentlemen never did that. They, they gave me the same kind of skills and the training they would any man. Yeah. Nice. Now so what, I th- all right, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just wondering, too, um, when you started, mm-hmm. did you, what kind of, pushback did you get whether it was from friends family did people think you were crazy or say that did you hear (laughs) you're you know you're starting too late or what kind of pushback did you get thank you for asking that Mm. nobody ever uh, called me out on my age because I was 28 when I started which is pretty late and Mm -hmm. I'll tell you all my competitors were younger than me I fought teenagers Mm -hmm. Um, but what's lovely about boxing is that you've got fighters in their late 40s some in their 50s that's a kind of sported as it's if you're in shape you're in shape mm-hmm. um my mother did not like that i boxed at all naturally right. she was worried i'd get hurt my brother <laughs> I, I love my brother to death <laughs> but he <laughs> he like, didn't what? like it either he didn't like knowing his little sister was getting in the ring he used to say stuff to be like it's it's legal murder le- legal murder yeah <laughs> did they come watch you uh, my no my <laughs> some people in my family they they just didn't want they didn't want to right. but my father and my stepmother they were different because my father boxed in the navy and he understood oh. the psychology of a fighter and and in the the inner gifts that you receive as a fighter only a, another fighter can understand so my dad was very supportive when he found out and mm-hmm. him and my stepmother actually came to one of my fights they had a radio show at the time called the frank and patty show named after them isn't that cute. cute so they came to texas to midland texas to cover my fight at the everlast championships mm-hmm. so yes they've always been in my corner the whole way I mean, you went That's for awesome. it yeah. um george foreman yes mm-hmm. who everybody knows with the amazing smile and yes. great uh, personality, teddy bear personality, yeah. wrote a book called God in My Corner. Oh, that's And it's great. one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And when I say my favorite book, it's not a book about boxing. Mm-hmm. It's a, he's a boxer, right. and you get to learn his story, but you also mm-hmm. get to learn about when he came out the Foreman Grill and, and all mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And a big part of his life is boxing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, big challenges of, of his life was losing and then reconnecting with mm-hmm. his Lord and Savior and then going back to boxing as a different person mm-hmm. who became the oldest man to win the heavyweight title. Yeah. When I talk about his book, I don't talk about boxing at all. Uh-huh. The reason why I love the book is because of the stories of overcoming, dealing with fears, mm-hmm. dealing with you know support breakdown as far as structure in the family, wow. rediscovering the, the person that you really want to be and bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. What is this? I, I mean, we know we go on a journey with your boxing, but what is this book about for the people who are, were you before you even thought about right. walking into the gym? Sure. And that's a big part of the book that I struggled with. And going back to your question, why now? Because I retired in 2000. And for many years after that, I, I didn't talk about it. I still had to decipher and figure out what it was all about for me because it wasn't just about competing or the training it, it went so much deeper and I I had to figure that out for myself so the parts of the book I struggled with were going back to my childhood and I'll just say it, it was very challenging um, a lot of people had had challenging childhoods mm-hmm. but you talk about the family structure breaking down that happened to me pretty early on and as a child you don't understand how to decipher those kinds of things when the parents are fighting all the time or when there's violence in the home 
these are things I just grew up with and it, they became normal but it it affects you in a certain way it, it does something to your psyche and if it's if it's not discussed and I didn't discuss it um, remember ever going to family therapy or anything like that um, I do credit a school psychologist who helped me tremendously starting from the second grade go and that's in the book but okay. thinking back about that family structure and it just basically what you said just now made me realize that probably the reason why I resonated to boxing so much was because I had this amazing support system who loved me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not have that kind of support at home. And, and that's not to speak negatively about anybody in my family or what they went through. They're very vulnerable and they're, they're human, mm -hmm. but they had to deal with it on their own. And I had, I didn't have that growing up. So I think that was a big piece of why I resonated to boxing so much was because I had this amazing sports system that was always there for me with unconditional love. Well, you know, you, you, mm. you think about how the universe works, right? Mm -hmm. Here it is. You have this writer. Someone comes to you and says, hey, go check out this Boston right. gym. Ah, that's not, I don't really do that. Right? Yeah, so, you weren't a sports writer, right? Am I correct? Oh, no, and yeah. that's interesting you asked that because yeah. when she called and she first pitched it, the minute she said boxing, I said, I'll pass it on to our sports writer. And she said, no, you need to do this story. You don't understand what I'm telling you. This is what it's the story so is. Powerful. It's about these at-risk youth. She said, the, the gym is destroyed. They have nowhere to go. They need this gym. They're going to fall apart if they don't have this place. Right. And I still didn't understand why until I delved Isn't in. Isn't that interesting in hindsight when you look back, that def that was such a defining moment for you. I mean, we can think back on, I think, each of our lives at certain defining moments mm -hmm. that like just put these events into play. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Well, absolutely. And that's in the book as well. The, these things that I don't believe were coincidences, that it was serendipitous. I mm -hmm. just happened to be in the newsroom that night. I just happened to be working right. late. I was the only one to answer the phone. I think it's interesting. Well, there are no yeah. coincidences, right. right? Now, for you, if, if my grandma is sitting here watching us talk in, about <laughs> your book, uh -huh. we know that you box, you did some amazing things as a competitor. Uh, won a whole bunch of awards yes. um, and yeah. it's made you stronger. So now you yes. write this book yes. and as you look at the book, you know, it looks like, okay, that's a fighter. So many people may not pick it up because mm -hmm. again, their perception is mm -hmm. I'm not into boxing. Sure. So what can you share with us that someone who has no interest in boxing, mm -hmm. if they read your book, what their hope, what you hope they get out of it? Mm -hmm. Sure. And yeah, and, and boxing is not for everyone, but the book, it's more about the personal journey mm -hmm. of boxing and how it affected me spiritually and emotionally and improved my psyche and my self-esteem. It's about my, my inner battle, not so much the battle in the ring. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly the, the fight scenes are, are fantastic, but it's woven into all these other things I'm going through and the thought process and how I was changing as I was fighting. Because as I fought a few fights, things started tr to transform. I started to figure things out. I started, my, my parents divorced when I was young. So my father and I disconnected for many years, but the boxing brought us back together. So that's a part of the story too, how boxing in a way it healed my relationship with my father, who I love very much. Um, mm -hmm. And it also talks about how at one point, I started to feel bad about the girls I hurt in the ring. And if, if I didn't have that fight in me, and if I didn't want to hurt the other person through the sport, mm -hmm. that, that was going to be a problem. 
but it all had to do with this stuff going on in the background that I just started to get away from the need of, of wanting to hurt anybody anymore, including myself. So it's a spiritual journey. I want the book to inspire people to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable and mm -hmm. not everybody has a perfect picture life. Most people don't, I think, but it's just a matter of how we hit those things head on, how we hit those battles head on, that we look them in the eye and I believe the only way out is through. And, and that's what the book is about. So in your journey, mm -hmm. like, where are you today? Like, where are you today <laughs> as far as self-esteem? And like, who are you today in comparison to the person who you were before you started your journey with boxing? Mm. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll never be a victim of, of domestic violence again. All right. Amen. <laughs> uh, I, I, yes, it absolutely built my self-esteem. It also humbled me to a large extent. It helped me mature. Uh, that's another reason why I, the book didn't come out 20 years ago when I retired. I started the book. I wrote the manuscript. And another reason why it didn't was because I, I didn't want people to know those insecurities and those things I faced. Mm -hmm. I was embarrassed and ashamed by those things. I didn't want anyone to know. And then something changed, and I thought... And I, I interview a lot of people who have overcome incredible odds, and they're so open and honest, and they're the most inspirational people because of their honesty and their vulnerability. And I thought, well... If they can do it, I can do it. So they inspired me to do that. Now, do you nice. intertwine your boxing <clears throat> experience with your journalistic experience? Like, is it all intertwined inside of your story? In the book? Yes. Yes, it is. I do. I do talk about that I, because I simultaneously trained as a boxer as I was working as a reporter. That went on for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> so that started to transcend as well. And it talks about how in the beginning of my journalism career, I used to be pretty cutthroat. And um, uh -oh, I, I know, I know, I want to. Yeah, your, your, your aura changed when you <laughs> said, yeah. I was cutthroat. I was. I was very <laughs> competitive as a journalist. Uh -huh. I, mean, I was young and, and I, was, I was very good at it. And, and I, I hate to say, but I, I wasn't as compassionate as I, I am now and, mm. and how that evolved. I uh, just wanted the best story. I wanted the byline above the fold. I wanted to get the, the last detail <clears throat> that the other competitors couldn't get, and I almost always did it. Um, but sometimes people would read the stories, and it wouldn't make them feel good, or I'd get some some heat from it. And uh -huh. so that changed, too. And, and then the boxing is intertwined with that because... Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there's a specific assignment that I went on while I was still, you know, training as a boxer. But I went on this assignment on, mm -hmm. at work and I just stepped outside of myself and saw what I was doing. And it it appeared really ugly to me. And that started to transform as well. Do you think that so that experience in boxing, do you think that when you look at your work prior to your journalistic work mm -hmm. prior to boxing and then now is it totally different completely different mm -hmm. I'm, I'm known as the writer who specializes in good news now That's i won't so interesting yes I, I i only delve into stories that are inspirational that inspire me and that i know when i put them down on paper that they'll inspire others and 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 i got to give that up to a higher source i, I call that mm -hmm. source god and and i believe those stories are brought to me you know from a higher source and i also believe god helped guide me right God helped guide me to write this book because it, it was a struggle, but it just it just never went away. The desire to finish it never went away. It's been two decades, mm -hmm. and I've been only working on it for two decades, and it's finally out. But there was just some kind of a nudging, like don't keep this story inside of you. It needs mm -hmm. to be told. Well, this, I mean, this is I so great it. because 
you you share your journey mm-hmm. you take people into your family mm-hmm. you go to fighting mm-hmm. right? right which a lot of people are like that's that's not where you go to become <laughs> humble uh, but the reality is the best fighters in the world mm-hmm. are the most humble the biggest teddy bears yes. you'll ever meet right yes. it's like bruce lee used to say you know you train to fight so you never have to fight mm-hmm. and that's why i think this story and the fact that you're going straight there right so there's so many people that are afraid to like their fear is to speak in front of a lot of people right, right? well i'm sure they have a fear of getting punched in the face too. Hell yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, it's funny that you brought up the word humble because when you when you were explaining that that mm-hmm. stood out to me mm-hmm. um And because I think of even my own life and issues that I've had and, you know, difficulties that I've had to deal with and Mm -hmm. how it makes you angry. Mm -hmm. And I can agree with you with the fact that when you come to a place where you can be, you know, you can humble yourself to try to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, and and learn through that. Mm -hmm. But what do you feel as far as like your experience? Because I can you can see how people can just be angry Mm -hmm. and never really get to that place of Mm -hmm. humility to sort of deal with it. Like for Mm -hmm. you, what was what was that point or? experience that made you you know get or helped you get there oh tra- to transcend the anger yeah that took a lot of self-reflection taking mm-hmm. a hard look at myself and and it wasn't easy mm-hmm. um and i'm not going to say it's over i'm not angry anymore because that would be a lie i still have issues that i deal with mentally and when i do i just try to quiet myself and pay attention to my feelings and, and ask where it's coming from. And it's usually something that triggered it, but it's all, it mm-hmm. all comes from the past. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. Cause I, I, I without even meeting you and, and seeing this, the description of, of your book and just seeing your journey as a, as a woman and mm-hmm. how your outlet, you found this outlet and at first it was mm-hmm. fitness. I absolutely mm-hmm. resonate with that. I totally yes. get you on that. It's a huge, you, I can tell you, you're ready to start boxing. Like, yeah, you're ready to I'll hit train you. I am. <laughs> I, do I will totally training. train with you. And I, you know, I tend to like, you know, even like I said, I'm not a boxer, but I tend to like the more mm-hmm. aggressive type workouts. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, mm-hmm. just, just it's how I deal. You will. That's my outlet. That's You'll my become outlet. addicted. And my oldest client is 72 years old. And I tell you, she's the bomb. Yeah. She hits the focus mitts like a boss and her and her daughter come mm-hmm. in and they're amazing women. And I also coach the children's class and they're wonderful. And they change, you know, their ages four to 14. And that's awesome. They're wonderful children. And I tell you, they come in and the minute they slip those gloves on, they become different people. Beasts. Right? And do you, do you watch <laughs> boxing as a spectator? I love watching So you boxing. watch, like, so who's your favorite <laughs> male boxer of all time? Oh, I'm going <laughs> to get some blowback for this. Well, there's two. Obviously, Muhammad Ali, of course, who's most, but... I love Mike Tyson. I think he was, was fantastic in his heyday. He was the knockout artist. I, I, I always thought he was quite brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I loved the way he trained. And I remember watching a documentary about him once, and somebody was asking him, you know, how he, how he trains for these fights, you know, because some of his fights, you, you look away for one second to grab a chip and the it's, fight would be over. over. Yeah. And he said that if he knew, he was just really bright. He said, if I know I'm, I'm fighting an eight-round fight, I'll train for, for 12. If I know I'm fighting a 12-round fight, you know, I'll train for 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he just, I loved his level of discipline. I just, and I just thought he was such a force in the ring. I, he was so entertaining to watch. Now, would you, <laughs> it, when you say that out loud, based on dealing with violence, right, mm-hmm. and challenging with guys, and then Mike Tyson having a history <laughs> of violence, right, right. <laughs> you're able just to see him for the talent that, he brings to the ring mm-hmm. but at the same time you can see him for the person that he is today 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of like with the Kobe Bryant situation. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Gail King was on CBS. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. Mm-hmm. And she was having a conversation with Lisa Leslie. Right. And in that conversation, she brought up the 2003 uh, rape situation with Kobe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lisa Leslie kind of put it down, you know, with, you know, with total grace and compassion. She did. But then Gail pushed and then pushed. And the African-American community, number mm-hmm. one, lost their mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Snoop Dogg, everybody just lost their mind. Gail had to, like, take days off. Mm-hmm. Oprah had to go and do a PR thing. And it's not dying down. Mm-hmm. So then you have, like, a certain group of people that are upset about it. Um, then you have a group of people who are trying to protect Gail. And it's all about looking back and just not being thoughtful or respectful for the moment. I guess we were talking yesterday, right? It was the, the yeah. timing. The you timing, know, exactly. It's part of the story. Yeah. But from the mindset of a fighter, mm-hmm. you're able to look at it, a situation for what it is, mm-hmm. without anger and without prejudgment. Mm-hmm. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. Objectivity. Mm-hmm. And in your book, do you feel that that jumps out to people? Maybe in that journey, it takes them to a place where they're not walking around mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you learn to fight so you don't have to fight. Yeah. You were angry. You were a certain type of writer. Now you have this sense of calmness and yeah. empathy. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's really yeah, intriguing. It's like peace with yourself yes. even. Yes. Right? Very, very much so. And the boxing was a big part of that journey. But fin- finishing this book and getting this book out and putting those words down on paper, that helped as well. That was, that's a part of the journey as well. Right. And seeing that all now, it was all laid out for me and meant to be I, I believe I was meant to do all these things and I think that's really interesting too because I, I believe that something was protecting me and guiding me the whole way mm-hmm. when I look back and I'm writing these chapters and even about the past I survived all those things mm-hmm. I was always protected and I do believe that comes from God so I, I've always had that spiritual background mm-hmm. um, but yeah getting into the fight game of course I a lot of these other guys they have the same kind of background and you were saying that you know these are some of the calmest fighters are some of the calmest people and it's surprising you know some of them are are mean looking you see them in the ring and they got neck tattoos and yeah they're but then you know outside of the ring they're 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 very calm (laughs) and they're gentlemen too yeah and they do transform like you know george foreman to me is is a great example yeah because if you go back and watch you know, when they were kings or like the story of yeah. like him and Ali. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll see that George Foreman was the meanest guy. He was he was mean. Right. He never smiled. When he went over to uh, Africa to fight Muhammad Ali, he had a dog. And the way he, <laughs> the kind of dog he had and the way he walked around with the dog, it was a disrespect to the, the local tribes. But he didn't care. Oh. So you have this guy who's that mean. And now the kids that see George now, that guy was. I know, right? (laughs) The guy in the infomercial. (laughs) It's like the The whole world should be boxing. You know what I mean? Like everyone could benefit by going through this journey. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And like with the children and the ladies I train, you know, it's no contact boxing. It's just the training workout. But there's something that happens and I can't explain it. It's hard to articulate. And I try to train with you now. Yeah, we have have to connect for sure. Yeah, I'd love that. Now, is this your first book? Yes. All right. Yes. Well, congratulations. And now, congratulations. Thank you, Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, if there was one chapter in your book that was the most difficult to write, what would that be? It, w- it would have to be the chapter about my childhood. Talking about mm-hmm. where it all began. 
because everybody has an origin story about what, who and what made them who they are. So I go back to the beginning with my parents, who I love very, very much, mm-hmm. who had their own trials and struggles and had, had their own demons and their own you know, in their head to process, but didn't have the tools at the time to mitigate that. Right. And, and, I, and I love them and I honor them for that. And, and I'm grateful that I was given the opportunity to bear witness to their struggles because it made me the person I am. And, and mm. I know what they went through was heartbreaking. With it, yeah. And what are your parents like? What's your ethnicity? I am Chinese American. So okay. my mother's Chinese. Mm-hmm. My father's Hungarian. And he, and he also has a, a bit of Cheyenne Indian. So I'm wow. an American Indian as well. Oh, very cool. And yeah. that's really a great mix. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I could feel the energy over there. Like you know, the warrior, <laughs> like inside of you, yes. is, is, com- is about to come out. Yeah. <laughs> now we have a, um, with Stay Healthy. Yes. Um, we have a, a campaign that we're launching. Uh-huh. We've launched called Fighters for Health. Mm-hmm. And Fighters for Health, uh, like the, the face of this campaign is Herb Dean, uh-huh. who is the referee, uh, the, the most famous referee in MMA. So if you ever watched Ultimate Fighting, Herb's the guy, the black guy with the dreads. That's cool. He usually has like the main fights. Yeah. And then we're now talking to um, one of our dear friends who's a, a very popular boxing referee. Who would you say is the most popular boxing referee on TV right now? Oh, gosh, I wouldn't know. The, when you say boxing referee, the, the only person I can think of is Gwen Adir. The, Who's that? The, the, the first female boxing ref. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. And she refed, I was, you know, I had the privilege of having her ref one of my exhibition matches. And oh, how she cool. Was amazing. She's just amazing. So, yeah, that's the only person I know is the, is the female who's okay. doing it. Well, how can you ask me? <laughs> just kidding. Well, so. I'm teasing because I don't know. So I'm, as I'm working with this company, Stay Healthy, uh-huh. we're talking and we're talking about health and our goal yeah. is to get people healthier, right? Sure. And so I brought up to her, I said, you know, we do like a round table. Anyone have any new ideas? I go, I have an idea. Why don't we do something called Fighters for Health? Because fighters have the biggest hearts. They love to give back. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is watch boxing in the month of October and all the boxers, male, female, are wearing pink gloves. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was like, interesting. And so as we put it out there, we're, it's being well received. Very soon we're going to go sit down. We want to sit down with Dana White at the UFC. Uh-huh. And then we're going to start talking to you know a lot of the leaders in the boxing world uh-huh. to raise funds for causes using their popularity as a mm-hmm. platform mm-hmm. to bring awareness to all the things that can make a difference, whether it's uh, tapping out mental health, mm-hmm. tapping out stuff. breast cancer, tapping out the challenges of life, tapping out you know um, HIV, but bringing everyone together with various causes and concerns um, with the goal of educating the public mm-hmm. and making a, a, a difference. And so you fit right in. That's like yeah. you're, everything you're talking about and you resonate is exactly what we're, we're working on. Oh, yeah. thank you. Well, that's a brilliant idea. I it love is. it. And, and I got to say, I'm, I'm honored to be aligned with you, Robert. I'm honored to know oh. you as long as I have. I believe that our, us meeting so many years ago was no coincidence. You're, you're a really good person, and, and you're making a difference, and you genu- genuinely care about other people. Well, thank oh, you. Oh, nice. See, she just put me in a magazine. She, uh, <laughs> I know. Did you tell, right. the, tell her the, the gentleman that approached you with the article? Which gentleman? Uh, the, the waiter with the article, with your picture. Oh, that was okay. her article, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm at, um, at a restaurant. And the guy comes over with the magazine. He goes, is, is this, <laughs> this is you? Cool. Uh-huh. I, he goes, hair's a little different. I go, yeah. 
that was when I didn't have much hair. That's now I right. got a little hair. <laughs> yeah. But before I forget, I, I meant to bring his name is Jack Reese. Uh-huh. So Jack Reese is a very popular uh, boxing referee. Okay. So a lot of the bigger fights, uh, Jack Reese is usually the guy, and he's from California. Oh. So he's he's part of this whole Fighters for Health. So I'd love to share with you more about it cool. as we uh, pick up some traction. I think that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be involved on any level because I, I love that mission, and I think it would draw a lot of attention. That's really smart. Okay, so yeah. as we um, move forward and before yeah. we're done, I want you to think about what key questions you have for Alicia. Okay. Because I have three okay. main questions that I want to ask you. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but before I ask those questions, what would you like – people to get out of your book like if there was if there was one thing that you want them to take away mm-hmm. from your book strength strength and the knowledge they can get through anything and that it's okay to be vulnerable that's a big mm-hmm. one too hmm. so this I is like the kind that. of book that someone who's dealing with surviving cancer right they find out they have cancer first thing you think about is I want to win. I want to live. Mm-hmm. This book would be good for that person, right? I believe it'd, it'd be good for anybody who wants to be inspired on some level because uh, everyone is facing some sort of battle. And it doesn't matter whether it's in the ring or not. There's a battle of life, and, and it's just a matter of how you face that battle head on. See, I like that because that's what, that's what it's mm-hmm. all about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so many people are so challenged today mm-hmm. um, with yeah. their health. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes down to mindset. You know, mm-hmm. we had a show um, yeah. when we were talking to Dr. Judy Ho. Mm-hmm. I share with them there's this this institute called the Hippocrates Institute in Florida. Mm. And they that's where you go. Like people who get diagnosed with certain cancers or certain illnesses, you go there and they're known to have really good outcomes. But mm-hmm. before you can become a patient, you must mentally be in the right place Mm -hmm. that you believe you're going to win because if you don't have the right mindset they won't take you in as a patient how do you feel about that that's awesome i i think that's spot on the visualization is i i address that in the book i talk a lot about that about keeping a positive mindset um not being around negativity or people saying negative things especially before a fight um there's a part in there about my brother who I love dearly but prior to my fights I wouldn't talk to him because he was worried about his little sister so he would say certain things before I, and, and, and would scare right. me but it's because <laughs> he didn't want me doing it yes uh, so yeah there is that in there as well see that makes total sense um, okay yeah. so here's one of my three questions okay. <clears throat> uh, I asked earlier about your favorite male fighter so I want to know who's your favorite, or do you have a favorite female boxer? Currently, it's got to be Layla McCarter. Um, she's a world champion now. And the reason why I pick Layla McCarter is because, well, she's in my book. Okay. She's the girl that I fought in my first exhibition in 1998. She was a teenager at the time. And I'm not going to give away any spoilers on that exhibition or the outcome of which. Oh, and so mm-hmm. and this lady is a current yes. like oh. pro boxer. Yes. Big time. Nice. Big time. And she has incredible sportsmanship. And I ended up uh, fighting her twice, and, and it's all in the book. And then later on in my boxing career, she worked my corner. And it's because of her that I executed 
sportsmanship as well because after we fought the second time she approached me she embraced me and said some some really um, uplifting things mm-hmm. and encouraging things i mean you get what she's saying right well, the the, yeah. the woman that she once battled right fast forward is now in her corner that's crazy it's amazing it's amazing she's an, inc- an incredible woman and a really great role model for women um very well spoken mm-hmm. you know again i'm going to say sportsmanship i think mm-hmm. it's important you know in any sport for people to have sportsmanship but especially for ladies just because i believe that there still aren't that many of us and it's important for us to support each other and yes. that's what she does yeah for sure so very cool that level of respect is amazing okay yeah. second question drum roll everybody you're gonna, make, uh, you're gonna take so long i'm gonna forget my question what is <laughs> what, all right so i'll give this one and you give one i'm just and teasing we'll, and we'll i think i remember uh, <laughs> your favorite boxing movie oh rocky yeah uh, part one or two yeah. one okay that's that's and just, what did you like about that it movie? just rips my heart out it i always cry when i see it it's so amazing and sylvester stallone is amazing in it and it, it just seemed it's so real i love the story it's cool that you 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 say that because mm-hmm. i i share a part of that movie all the time with people when it comes to losing weight right because you have to have a starting point uh-huh. right and so i always go to that clip in the movie when Rocky had accepted he was going to do the, he's going to get the fight. Okay. And the training must begin, right? Yeah. So he's got Mick, who's his trainer. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he shows him in his little studio apartment. Uh-huh. He wakes up. Uh-huh. He's got those ho- the holes all in the sweatsuit. Uh-huh. And he sits on the side of the bed and he's like barely, and we all know what that feels like. Uh-huh. You don't want to get up. Uh-huh. Right. Then he walks over to the refrigerator. He opens it up, gets the eggs the out. Eggs. Boom, uh-huh. boom. I think it was five of them. Drinks them. Ooh. And then, you know, he does that whole thing. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he goes outside, a little stretch here, a little stretch, stretch there, and he starts jogging. Mm-hmm. And you remember what happens? He finally gets to that the stairs. Right. But he can't run up the stairs. He's grabbing his side, and he kind of walks up. Uh-huh. And I, I share that with people because I said, you have to have your own Rocky moment. Yeah. Kick off, mm-hmm. launch, start. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be fun mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt mm-hmm. and you're going to be tired mm-hmm. and you're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. But fast forward right before he fought mm-hmm. Apollo. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was running through the streets mm-hmm. and the crowds are following him. And yeah. he runs up. Rocky. So Rocky, awesome. Doom, 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 and then they're in the ring. Yes. So have I seen that more than once? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, know. I know. As you were describing it because when he ran, I cry when I see that because yeah. it's so amazing because he was the underdog. Mm hmm. And and he just kept pushing through and, and just all these things that were against him and he just did it. And that's why I love that film. So many lessons in it that is. movie. It's a beautiful film. Yes. And yeah. I mean and if you th- if you really think about it, did he lose? Because he didn't win. Apollo no, won. That first one, right, he didn't win. And then yeah. after he didn't win, he's in the what what did he start saying out loud? So when Sylvester Stallone Rocky, oh. he's in the ring. Come on, Barbara, step up. Is he start yelling, Adrian? <laughs> Is it yes. Adrian? Yeah. When he starts calling her name. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was see? a love story. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then there's that. Right. We it was so good. That. Everything about it is, is so Adrian. wonderful. <laughs> That's all he wanted. And he won. So he, he did. didn't win, so he but he did won. Win. That's he won right. over the people. He got the girl. Yeah, and he That's got right. the girl. <laughs> now I'm going to cry. And I then, know. <laughs> Yeah, great movie. It was yeah. great. And yeah. it's funny, when well, my, my daughters, so right now they're 12 and 9, oh. and I have sat down with them mm-hmm. and watched Rocky all the mm-hmm. way through. 
They didn't move. Really? They were totally engaged. Wow. I mean, little girls watching, they're like, when's the next one? So, you know, then we watched part two. Uh And now they're ready for part three. How cute. I got to watch it again. They're all great. So what did your kids think of the the movie? Oh, they loved it. Yeah, yeah. They loved it. it. Yeah. And what's cool is like, you know, movies back then, I'm sure there's movies today. But you watch a movie like that and you're talking to your kids. Uh Certain life situations come up and you can go back to that movie and say, hey, remember in Rocky when he just started and it was hard for him? Oh, like a lesson. And in their mind, that that tape is playing, right? They go back to that movie Mm -hmm. and they go, yeah. And I remember he was running like after he started doing it like repeatedly and he he didn't give up. I go, yes, you got it. Oh, great movie. Yeah, that's good stuff. So good. You can ask your question. Shoot, I don't know now. (laughs) What am I going to ask? No. So, so, okay, so I'm going to go back to how you start off as a a journalist, right? Completely different from boxing. Sure. And do you feel or feel that, so you were kind of labeled, I guess, this is what you did. This is what you're the thing that you did, right? Your journalistic Mm -hmm. profession. Mm -hmm. Now, as a boxer, Mm -hmm. did you feel like at first they were too totally separate entities like you were like either one or the other because I think mm. the reason why I ask mm-hmm. this is that I feel like a lot of times I'm speaking like also as a woman that we have labels of what we're mm. we're supposed mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. and then to do anything different isn't quite right I mean how did you feel about that because they are so different like yes absolutely they're very different mm-hmm. and my identity was largely tied up into being a journalist, and that mm-hmm. went on for many years. And then, of course, when I became a boxer, my identity was with boxing. And I think most people have labels they attach to themselves or ways they identify things that I make them who they are or yeah. things that they think make them who they are. Right. And I remember when I left boxing, um, and, and that's all in the book, The Reasons Why, but feeling very, very alone, very lost, you know, I almost felt like I was back at square one with a lot of things that I thought I had transcended. When I quit boxing, I realized, wow, this stuff is all there still. Uh, mm-hmm. Boxing was a fantastic distraction from those things, but I really had to face those things head on. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that I whole identity part, I did keep them separate, but they did infuse as well. Yeah. And because of the rarity of women back then, um, and, and the fact that I was a reporter, because people, People think, you know, they equate journalists with, you know, being sort of smart. So and then they don't equate boxers with being smart. So there was, you know, there was that Mm. um, contrast. And so that also brought me a lot of attention. The fact that I was a reporter and a boxer made it interesting for the press when I was written about back then. So I had two identities in a way. Yeah. Now, that's actually great. I'm glad you bring up the whole intelligence part, too, Mm -hmm. because I think especially as women, Mm -hmm. When we're working in industries that are might be male dominated, mm-hmm. we work so hard mm-hmm. to establish our place there and our level of competence. Yeah. And then you said how oftentimes when you have to, if you're doing something new, you have to start from ground zero again. Yes, I did. How would you share with people that how to make that okay and not be scared of being able to start again mm-hmm. and not necessarily give up your intelligence that you've mm-hmm. established, but if you're going to do something new, that it's mm-hmm. okay to start from Grounds are like, how would you share that, mm-hmm. I don't know, like wisdom or lessons learned with someone who's like on the, on this side trying to get there and scared mm-hmm. to do that, scared to backtrack? Well, it's, I believe in facing your fears head on. And I learned that through boxing. Mm-hmm. And I also believe the only way out is through. And if somebody wants to do something, if you want to do it, go for it. 
go for it and and don't let anybody tell you otherwise and mm -hmm. surround yourself with positive people and people that are going to support your vision mm -hmm. and feed into it and cheer for you and be in your corner right. and and you might try something and decide oh you know what this this wasn't for me after all well at least you know now mm -hmm. so that's not even a failure some people are afraid to start or try something new because they think they're going to fail well I don't believe there is such a thing you know, I, I never won a championship belt in the pros. Mm -hmm. I quit after my first fight, mm -hmm. but I have greater re rewards than that. Right. What I got is so much greater from that. And so maybe if somebody's prompted to try something new, maybe it's something else they're supposed to learn through that journey and, and they might not meet the end that they think they're gonna meet, but mm -hmm. it was more about the journey. So yeah. I think that people can go for it at any age to not let anybody tell them they cannot do it. Yeah, and just to have that vision. Come on, fist. Yeah, yeah. So, now, I, now I do feel that it's definitely like um, we're uh, we're at a place right now where every, uh, many people are very vocal mm -hmm. about female woman empowerment. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I'm feeling that here. Yeah. Good. Like you guys are over there. I'm over here. Well, I'm like this. <laughs> now, now you're in our group. I'm I'm in the group. Uh, but fighting chance. <clears throat> Is this book about the reality that everyone, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. has a fighting chance. Absolutely. That's what it is, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. This book is like, it's about, we all have a fighting chance. Yes. And then it's the journey. Yes. It's really not even if you win the way people perceive winning, your arm being raised. Right. You Like like we said in the movie with Rocky. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a fighting chance. Absolutely. And no matter what, because you step into it and you face the fear, the outcome is you're going to be better off. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. right. <laughs> he wants an uncle bump too, right? Well, I mean, that's, that, so that's my, really my final question is that this yeah. book is about, and I'm asking you, the fighting chance that we all have. And then we can finish that statement or that question, Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, that fighting chance means entering the unknown. Mm -hmm. But that's a journey, too. And there's a, a, a part of self-discovery that occurs no matter what the journey is, no matter what somebody wants to take on. There, there are lessons to be learned in that. And the outcome might not turn out how you envisioned it. And it might evolve and change as you go through it. But there's beautiful and amazing lessons right. life lessons that can be learned in going through those, those experiences gotta go through that door so man. true yeah. it's true because yeah. yeah you never know unless you try it, yeah go exactly. through go through that door you yeah. know years ago i know we got to wrap it up but mm -hmm. years ago i met this gentleman who was part of the cia mm -hmm. and he used to go and 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 be like a private you know uh, spy around Gaddafi. wow and he said that Gaddafi had this room where they would take people that were imprisoned or they had them or they were trying to get something out of them mm -hmm. and they would say okay you know it gets to this point in the conversation so you can go through that door or we will shoot you right here oh. so you can be shot or you can go through the door you choose the path you want to go with now oh. your mind like automatically means okay well i can die and know how i'm going to die or i could go out that door man and who knows and that'd be a horrible way to die because they play these psychological games on people. Right. Well, most people, my friend was telling me, would just get shot on the spot. Just get killed. Just because I know knew. how I'm going to die. But they didn't know that that door, when you opened it, took you to freedom. Oh, my God. And every once in a while, someone would open the door and get freedom and go, ah, oh, they'd be happy and just run. Right. And he let them go. 
That's great. Like you said, go through the door. Yeah. yeah. The only way out is through. I love it. Yes. That is powerful. Well, thank you, Alicia Doyle, for being here. Oh, thank yes, you, Robert. Thank you so much. Fighting Chance, everybody. Make I sure you know. pick up a copy and uh, make sure we follow you. We'll make sure that all of your uh, social media links and all that is made available. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, we'll support you 100%. You, you're always supporting everybody yes. else. That's awfully nice. Thank you so much. And I was going to sure. say thank you for making time for us today. I know. Oh. Thank you so much. On the Stay Healthy Experience. Woo, woo. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. That went by fast. And, uh, <laughs> about like five minutes. And for those of you guys <laughs> out there, remember, get healthy, be healthy, and as always, mm-hmm. stay healthy. Boom. Boom. Hello, everyone. This is Robert Ferguson, and thank you for watching our show. Now be sure to like, subscribe, and click on the bell so that you are notified whenever we upload new shows. Again, thank you for watching.